Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves, episode 36 of season three. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. I am Paul LePage. And joining us, one of our regular guests, Mr. Danny Paletti down in Baltimore. Danny, how's it going? Good evening, guys. How are you? Good. And Paul, I think now we can say it's official. Season four of Whole Lot of Wolves is coming to you this August. For those out there that were clenching, you can now unclench. That's right. 1-0 win against the Villa. And then a couple of results here. But honestly, it was over once we got the win. I don't care what you say, Danny. You and your math. Science. <laughs> bleh. No, it was over. It was over as soon as that final whistle blew for the 1-0 win, Paul. Uh, felt good. I'm sure there are some Wolves fans who are not going to accept that they were not relegated until the season starts off next year. Am I right with that? Could be. I think there's, we, we, we've had our fingers burnt in the past in terms of uh, expectations and how the season ultimately pans out. But we, we're pretty much going to start next year in 20th places the W in the alphabet starting at the bottom where Arsenal start, oh, AFC boom, starting first. But yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be taking our rightful place next year. And it feels good, doesn't it, Danny? It feels great. Uh, I like you. I, I sort of felt that, uh, you know, we were safe a few weeks ago. I, I keep telling people, somebody asked me like, must've been two months ago, you know, are we safe yet? And it's like, yeah, we're safe. Like, the team that survives at 17th is probably only going to have 34 points or something. So, you know, we've been safe, but still it's like I posted on Twitter today. It's, it's really hard to let go of that fear. So even I was looking at the games today saying like, this is the day it's got to happen because unless Everton, Lester and Forrest all get wins, which is super unlikely, we're going to be good. I mean, they would have had to win out. That's ultimately what it came down to. And so right. even though math-wise, I was looking at, well, I guess technically they could. You're asking a team that won, that's won like six games all year to win four in a row. Like, get the fuck out of here. I'm pretty adamant that we weren't – what we endured wasn't a relegation scrap. And you'll you'll see it when you get the, the pattern through the season – and it tracks each teams and the up and the down. Soon as we stabilized under Lopetegui and and got went on that run to to climb out of it, that was pretty early. And you'll see over time we've been so consistent. So that wasn't a relegation scrap. Leeds are in the relegation scrap. Leicester are. It, it's really those teams now. I think if you're you go into the last month of the season, if you're down there, that's when you're in a relegation scrap. We were effectively out of it even before May, really. So hopefully we never even flirt with it again. If you call it a flirtation with a relegation scrap, I'll give you that. But I don't think it was a nail biter that it could have turned into. Yeah, I really felt after those back-to-back wins over Chelsea and Brentford, that was over. Um, was very glad to get that win against Villa. Um, you know, a little sweet win a Derby. And I felt like for sure cement our place as being safe. Um, Paul, what were your thoughts from that exciting one nil game, which did have some 
booty clenching moments. It's funny that you you say exciting, and it's probably my uh, question to you and a, a lot from the audience is, can you get excited by a nutritional 1-0 win of a really good defensive performance? Now, like I can, which is kind of weird, but I love those types of games. I love the uh, just just the setup defensively and and playing playing the opponent and and really being able to squ- squ- not necessarily squeeze the life out of them, but hold them at an arm's length. But when called upon, they they came through, which is awesome. So. You contrast in that to the previous week. It was it was totally night and day, but I think just across the park you had a bunch of seven out of ten performances, uh, a couple of th- three or four eights maybe, and when you put it together at home, when when you have that type those types of scores across the board, you start in eleven, you you're going to be pretty good with the the side that we've got. So. It, it was good, good performance, professional, um, and just to, to get one over the local rivals and really scupper any plans that they've got for a European adventure next year. And that was the talk of how well they've done since Emery came on board. It who better to to get that forty points than the, than the Villa, Danny? How surprising is it to see a team go from giving up six goals? to really a shutout where they had to endure a couple little onslaughts from Villa. Yeah, it was it was a little bit surprising, but on the same I, I don't know, the the Brighton result was so weird. I mean, obviously I wasn't, you know, I wasn't on the show to to hash that one out with you guys, but it was like even when we were uh me and some friends went to um to a bar downtown to watch it and even on the way there we were like I don't even remember that game it's just it's all a blur which makes sense you know you're you're trying to shut it out as much as possible mm. but not that Lopetegui or the players weren't at fault but it felt very fluky uh in the same way that like this season the Premier League has had a ton of very weird results mm. uh this feels like another very weird result even if you know, like I said, the, the the coach and the players bear some responsibility. So for that reason, I felt weirdly confident about the Villa game. Not that we'd necessarily win it, but it just felt like it's going to be totally different at home against a local rival. You know, they're they're definitely not going to want to turn in a similar looking performance to, you know, we could lose to them, you know, by two goals to nil and, and put in a good performance. I think even the home fans would have been you know, satisfied with that against a team that was playing well, Villa. Um, so yeah, it was it was a weird pair of results, but at the same time, I like if you told me if, if you told me that I came that you came from the future and uh saw a one-nil victory for Wolves, I would have said, Yeah, that's that's probably in the cards. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, I, I feel like the tone was set pretty early when Saw made that ridiculous diving save in about the 20th minute. Um, this really seemed like a game where Saw was oh, the old Saw from last year. In in terms of, I think, um, shot stopping and, and composure that way, definitely. That was a worldie of a save off Wendy early on and 
those were that those were the times in the first half where you were a little bit worried because we'd gone ahead early, but they had some pressure. And you're always scared if you you if you can see that that point if they've got the momentum to hit you back to back with a couple of quick goals. So I think that was that was a pivotal save. But apart from that, he he seemed to do the basics good again. He he wasn't called into a ton more of real danger when it came to uh, activity in our box. So the the rest of the stuff he did, I think, was was pretty comfortable and that talks I think to uh the performance of those in front of him uh even into the the central midfield as well that did well with the protection that they offered the defense so as a collective I think it was good and then if you have those highlight real moments then it's going to set you on a good standing to go in and win and Danny it seemed like the back line uh wanted lunch this week Oh yeah. That, that lunch was definitely playing on their minds. They were feeling hungry, you know, to stretch the metaphor even further. <laughs> um, but yeah, especially, I mean, like the, the center back pairing, you know, we have seen it work so well at home um, and they just turned it on again today. Again, that's like one of those that felt very fluky about Brighton where Dawson and Kilman, not that Kilman has been super consistent this season, but since Lopetegui's come in, he's looked at least fairly solid. And Dawson, of course, has been a rock. Um, and so that that Brighton performance really seemed fluky for them. And then they they were back to their best. Um, you know, Dawson, I don't I don't know how many crosses he got his head on the end of. I mean, it was just it was constant. And it's like Paul said, you know, especially after that save it almost felt inevitable even though we had to sit through something like 81 minutes of of no scoring <laughs> sitting on our one nil lead but it just like especially after that save it just kind of felt inevitable that they were just gonna keep breaking against against that back line and, and without a major change in what they were doing I it was hard to see them breaking through and of course that one nil lead came courtesy of a beautiful header by Tony Gilmez on a Neves assist from a corner. Paul, why has it taken us this long to realize, oh, hey, maybe we should have Neves taking corners because we've been so bad at them for so long. The opposite is that you can't have those nice things like that goal against Derby, but it does make you wonder that he's put like the these two in that one against Palace and then right in the danger area for Toti's goal. What could have been if he was whipping in those corners week in, week out from the right-hand side, how many assists he'd get. And that would surely put real strength behind the, the, the argument. He gets some, uh, he gets some criticism that it, it's only these long range goals that he scores and his numbers aren't very good otherwise or it's just penalties but again if you started doing that on a consistent basis then you really would see the the quality of him statistically as well but it it, it goes to show that if you put it in the right area you've got that extra height with Toti in there uh you you're you're attacking it more we we look dangerous and and why it's taken this long to to figure it out I don't know but it needs to carry on at least till the end of the season. I mean, we kept throwing Motinho out there for two years, <laughs> thinking something would change. It never did. I do, I do think part of it is that 
maybe some of the managers felt that having him on the edge of the box was worth something that if, if we didn't win the first touch that it would come out to him and he'd have a shot. But I, I have to say, I'm a bit bemused even by that, like that hypothetical, because to, to be the, the, the tactics and stats nerd, you know, it's, it's only 3% of corners that result in a goal that comes from like the very next touch. So that's already I'm such surprised a small... it's that high. I'm surprised yeah. it's that high. Across the top five leagues in Europe, it's about 3% of corners end up in a goal sort of like immediately. And then if you think like, well, how, what percentage of corners that don't result, result in a goal end up at Ruben Neves's foot? And then how many of those actually even get a save out of the goalkeeper? It's so small. And if, and if Ruben Neves taking the corner moves you from 3% of our goals or 3% of our corners going to goals to 4%, that's a way bigger improvement than having him sitting on the edge of the box, hoping that the ball comes to him. Yeah. He could still be dangerous in those situations when it's a free kick around the box as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it makes, makes much more sense the, the way that it's been going. I only wish we had gotten to see Neves kick a corner to big sassy. Because, I mean, it's beautiful. He's got beautiful touch to it. And, uh, yeah. I mean, Toady as well. Toady, textbook, uh, really another great performance by him. Paul, I mean, we keep going back to it. And it, it, is he a left back in the future? I was given some, that some thought over the weekend that you think about improvements in the side that you can make this off-season. Left back isn't one of them. You've got mm-hmm. two young, differently skilled left backs that you can play depending on the opponents, which I think it's fantastic that have have come through the ranks or have been acquired at a a pittance of investment. So it bodes so well. And I think it gives, it it definitely gives strength to to Toti's game that he could nail down uh, a left back berth and, and be a start for a long, long time, or it could really enhance his game as a left-sided centre-back based on whether there's the potential to cash in on Kilman. So that offers some mm. scope as well for, for future planning that is a few years younger. And this could, this could allow him to, uh, to bed in some more to ultimately be, be heir to that throne. So I, I think they're in, they're in a great position. <laughs> so out Noor is potentially out the door. Um, Ryan Giles had a great season for Middlesbrough in the playoffs in the championship, could potentially go up with him. Obviously, some question marks around his defensive skills, but attacking-wise and, and delivery seems to have it all. So I think they're, they're so blessed in, in that left-back spot that it's it, it's a huge benefit moving forward. So let's talk lunch, boys. Who gets to order first, Paul? Toti definitely gets to order first for his first goal for the club. Yeah. Well, first real goal. Yeah. Danny, I saw you shaking your head yes on that one too. Yeah, definitely. He gets to order first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Who gets uh, to order appetizers for the table? I think, I think appetizers goes to, uh, to, to Dawson just for the Mm -hmm. overall performance. Yeah. Paul, you agree with that? Yeah, no, no complaints there. If he was, uh, if he was not man of the match, I think uh, 
he was pretty close for sure. Mm -hmm. And then who gets the second dessert, Paul? Saar gets that second dessert for the save as a former goalkeeper, definitely. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's got to be Saar just for that save. I mean, I know that a lot, like the, the commentators even mentioned it over and over again, but that is, that is a top shelf save. I know it's not like oh, yeah. one of those flying ones where you're, you know, like sort of leaping off the ground, but the reaction time for that one is, is insane. And that's going in the bottom corner if he doesn't touch it. No question. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that would have just changed the whole complexion of the game. Yeah. It's a clean sweep on all the lunch awards this week, guys. Cause I felt the same way on all three of those. So good job. You know, let's, let's also give some credit to some of these other guys. Cunha nearly had a goal kind of went a little bit over, but he showed some remarkable skill at times. And then Neto had probably one of his best games since coming back from an injury pulse. Yeah. I think I'd, I'd also add uh, Mateus into that as well in that he showed some flashes as well on the right-hand side coming away with the ball and some of his crossfield passes were right on the money, switching it from right to left. So there was some scope to bring Neto into the game that way. But it, it does give you, again, some real excitement about what he's seeing in these players for next year. Now, Cunha, just to me, my eyes were lighting up in terms of if he's got the capability to pick those balls up in those positions and beat three or four players and, and burst on through just what what could happen to him in the long term once he's accustomed to the league more his fitness is there he still only came in in the uh in the January transfer window. So mm -hmm. the likes of him, the likes of Neto having full pre-seasons again and being able to potentially hone down these positions and get to really understand what the expectations are. It could, it could really be exciting, exciting times ahead. Danny, it must've been nice to see your boy, uh, Pedro playing well again. Yeah, no, it was, it was a bright spot. It was also, you know, he he was probably one of the few players that came out with any credit against Brighton. So it's it's good to see that it hopefully is a trend that he's uh, he's on the way back up. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate that just because we haven't quite, maybe Lopetegui hadn't quite figured out what the best team is yet, you know, that we had to throw him in. And he's helped us at the back end of the season, but... Uh, but I think if we were more settled, we probably wouldn't have seen him that much uh, until, you know, next season. Just because it was clear when he first came in, uh, came back into the side that he was uh, he was still feeling it. You know, he his fitness was definitely not up there. There were some very sluggish performances, which like he may have lost a step from the injuries, but I'll I'll reserve that judgment until we see him next season when he has a full preseason. But he's starting to look better, and that's that's very good. And Paul, it should be interesting now that Wolves are officially safe, officially safe, um, to see what kind of stuff Lopetegui does with these last three matches. Does he try out some different lineup combinations? Uh, try and get some of these younger guys in. What do you foresee happening? I think my my personal take is that he's going to back the guys that will be with him next season. 
and hopefully based off of that he'll put more trust in them away from home um even though you go into old trafford and, and the emirates what better stage than than to show up and put an ag- aggressive attacking team out there and see what they're capable of in those bigger big arenas against against good teams so i i'm hoping that we see the at least a basis of who will be in the starting 11 next season and hopefully some version of the 442 that we see to really see what we're, what they're capable of so danny over under two and a half games neves starts to finish the season oh boy that's a great question <laughs> obviously he'll start the everton game i think i yeah. think we can all agree we'll start that one no question me and you arsenal both on the road i think I'll go over based on the feeling that he will start at least two of the games. And so there's kind of like, I mean, you set the over under exactly right. You know, that I feel like I can't quite decide if, is it 50, 50 that he starts off like the third game, which whichever the third ends up being, you know, mm-hmm. or, uh, or is it more than 50? I don't know. That's a, that's a great question. I see the point uh, but i think it's going to be tricky because i think we'd naturally start him against man u away and then he's definitely like you said he's going to play in the everton game mm-hmm. no question yeah uh and then the last game of the season uh i i don't know i i don't know paul what do you think Apparently, I'm a pretty good odds maker, huh? According to Alex and Danny. Yeah, I see, I see him starting everyone. That um, he, he he keeps his place. The again the the game on Saturday against Man United could really suit him if if he goes four four two. I can see it really suiting there. I can see him starting um, against Everton and then getting a. Uh, a tearful send off about sixty minutes in, and, oh, and really? Gomez okay. comes on, and I can see that. Yeah. Sixty seventy minutes in, he gets a gets a standing ovation coming off, and then uh, he, he starts his last game as captain, how it should be for the final game of the season. I tell you, that's there's going to be not a dry eye in Molyneux if if there won't be a dry, dry eye in my living room either. Yeah, exactly. If if imagine, you know, that that game against Everton, like you said, around 60, 70 minutes, he gets pulled off and his replacement is Jao Gomez. Yeah. And you're just it's like literally the changing of the guard. It's one of those that I wouldn't expect the the commentators to uh to pick up on unless they unless it's know Jackie something Oatley. About. Yeah, if they know something about what's going on at Wolves right now, they'll they'll notice it. But yeah, but otherwise, it's just going to be the fans seeing this changing of the guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's too bad that Cody can't play in that Everton game as well. <laughs> you know, there's a possibility um, Cody may never play in Molyneux again if, you know, Everton's sent down. You know, you're not guaranteed to come up the next year. Yep. Yeah, we're seeing that with Norwich now. Well, 
I think he goes to Sheffield. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's just it's too it's too uh easy. It's too simple, you know. It's just like uh I think that it's a really good fit for him. And I think if if Everton get relegated, I think he definitely goes to Sheffield. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we did get uh a stupid question which was very interesting, Paul. It was from Sharjay on Twitter. He said, Diego, one year extension. The guy doesn't score goals. It's Will and Jose in a mask. Would you really keep him for another year? I think this is this is a, a great question, Paul. What you, oh, you've said how much you love him. My heart says yes, but my head says no. But it can be it can be changed based on the permutations. So my permutations are that if if Fabio comes back. Then they may need they may need someone else mm-hmm. in that it it may need another striker for them to rely on more of a, an out and out number nine that you I don't you we, we can't get the expected minutes over a long duration off of uh, off of Costa in what might be expected from that particular position. Now I could see that. If they send Fabio out again on loan, or you spend sold. big, spend big on a number nine as as the real focal point for the attack, I could I could see Costa still still play playing a role. But I think like based on the balance of everything with that, based on overseas uh, issues in terms of balance on the squad and everything, I'm I'm. I'm leaning more towards a no, just because obviously you get he wasn't playing for anyone else before. You know, it wasn't if there's there've been this lineup of teams ready to to bring him out from the cold. It was these desperate circumstances that we needed him in. And, and he came in, he got he got up to speed, but we've seen flashes. It's certainly certainly not the cost of, of the, the Chelsea vintage and it, it, it's a long way from it in certain instances, and and even on Saturday, the the Chelsea Costa would have buried that chance that he he had from the left hand side. That was his his bread and butter. So it, it might might have lost that sharpness. And when you when you're playing with a team like the Wolves that are going to craft fewer chances, like his Chelsea team did, then you've got to have the the players in those positions. Who who can take those chances when they're few and far between? So if I'm being pushed on one side of the fence or not, it's it's a no from me. He doesn't stay, but it, it's been a great uh, it's been a great little story while it's lasted. I do think Danny. It's a little unfair to say he's Will and Jose in a mask. That may be a yeah. little harsh. You mean uh you mean Copa del Rey winner William Jose oh, just be- just because he was more like a tree than like a human being when he played for <laughs> for Wolves doesn't mean that he was totally useless throughout his career. I mean, you know, that that season traumatized us all and uh you know, far be it for me to uh put him in the fire firing line by himself for that. Um but yeah, I don't know. I I largely agree with Paul. I, I'll take the uh, I'll take the alternate point of view just to to make the argument that he should stay. 
I, I do agree that it completely comes down to Lopetegui and what he wants out of his striker core. So like it, it depends on if Fabio's with us next season, it depends on all these things. And so I agree that it's mostly going to come down to who are the other players, but I think there are a lot of pros to having Diego Costa around. I think we're still a team that can be very wasteful with chances, not so much wasteful with shots because we don't create enough chances to have those shots, but like, Cunha is a great example. He goes on that Maisie run and then like there's a player right by him who he can pass to and he oh, takes yeah. kind of an awkward shot. Those kinds of things. And I think he ran though, out of gas on that run is what happened. Exactly. I think Diego Costa, although he also uh, has trouble with decision-making at this point, I think that he demands of the other players that they play the intelligent pass. Some a lot of times that's to him, he believes, <laughs> but you know, like he sees those things and demands it. And more, more so than him being on the field and wanting that, I want him in the locker room wanting them to do that to, to play the intelligent pass, the, the high percentage pass that's going to create a high percentage shot. And even more than that, I want him teaching Fabio Silva that. So if Fabio Silva is going to be with us next season. That makes me want Diego Costa to stay a lot more. If Fabio Silva's still alone, then maybe I don't care so much. <laughs> Y'all just need to uh... accept the fact he's being sold. <laughs> All right, Josh. I feel like this is going to be my new relegation thing. Just accept the facts. <laughs> We're not being relegated, and Fabio's going to be sold. I hope I'm wrong on the on the Silva thing, but I hope you are too. <laughs> I, I just and I just got I got a feeling. Here's a good question for you guys. I'll let Danny start off. Uh, who scores more goals in the MLS over their career? Diego Costa or Raul Jimenez? Because there is a possibility within the next two years, both of them are playing in the MLS. What do you mean over their career? Like they went back in time and played their no, whole careers no, in the MLS? No, okay. like, like so if like they, if they start... both go over right now. Yes. <sighs> That's tough. I think that weirdly, I think it's probably Costa just because, well, I don't know. He also might get sent off too much. It's funny. He doesn't actually get that many red cards, but I feel like in the MLS, he might because <laughs> it's Costa. He'd be one of those got like Zlatan that was ready to strangle one of, I, I've never yeah. thought somebody was going to kill one of his teammates until I watched Zlatan uh, for yeah. LA Galaxy play against the Di uh, Dynamo in, in person. But <laughs> but yeah, if, I, if, if he stays on the field, I just wonder if him staying very central and sort of being opportunistic, if it's a bit better than, than Raul sort of playing all over the place and sort of losing his, uh, his striking touch. I don't know. I'd love to be wrong because I love Raul and I think that a move to the MLS would not be the worst thing for him. Uh, I don't know, just just out of sentimentality, I'll, I'll go Raul. I think I think he could do well in the MLS. Paul, uh, how many games are we going to next year if Raul is playing for the Houston Dynamo with Hector Herrera? Season tickets, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it depends how much of a how much of a high potentially goes out on that if we're not seeing him at all in the squad and even Podence's comments on social media today that are backed up by Raul 
agreeing with him. It, it doesn't lead me to think that it might be the, the fun farewell that it, it could and potentially should have been. So uh, it, it does make you wonder potentially again, has, has something gone on behind the scenes, even to the extent of if something happened with, with him and Johnny and, and Lars has similar happened again. And Lopetegui's just been zero, like zero tolerance to any of that. That's why you haven't seen Johnny since his ban ended. And oh, and I even forgot on, Johnny's even. Yeah, boy, he, I forgot he, even Johnny's on the Yeah, he, even <laughs> even even on Saturday when you're want a potential starting left backs out the squad with Breno, you haven't got a recognised right back. He's still nowhere near the the subs even. So it it, it seems to me that. There, there could have been something going beyond the scenes that that we might not see any of them to give them a send off. Yeah, that's a good question, uh, Danny. Do you think Raul makes an appearance against Everton? I think that's very much in question. I mean, on the one hand, yeah, I think a lot of the fan base still really likes him. I think, I think like a lot of the people being down on Raul, Raul I think that's in part like a social media thing you know I think it's like all of us very online people who like see a lot of these takes about Raul and I think probably the majority of people who show up at Molyneux probably would love to see him play one more but I'd like to see him play one more yeah I would too but it's like to me that feels like much more of a sacrifice if we're to take at face value, you know, Lopetegui's decisions up until now to leave him out of the squad and whatnot, like it's one thing to, you know, play Neves, even though he's not going to be part of the team next year and, and we're working on stuff for next year or whatever that, you know, that's an obvious choice to, to play him. But like with Raul, it would feel very much like throwing him a bone. And it's just like, especially if it doesn't work out. I mean, that's the other thing that I think of is like, yeah, it'd be great for Molyneux to get to say goodbye to him with him playing on the field. But if he plays it, what if he starts against Everton and puts out a stinker? You know, it's like, you know, that's not a great way to end your career either. You know, it's like, I'd almost rather us, you know, just remember the the great times that we had with him and say, it's time. It's probably been time for a little bit. And for one reason or another, we never really replaced you. But like, but you know, let's just remember the good times and say goodbye. Oh, it's so sad. It is the end of an error, Paul. What we're seeing, Neves. I mean, Cody's already gone, but we're about to lose Neves, Raúl, Adama. It's 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 tough. Which, by the way, question for you guys, and I should make this a Twitter poll too. I'm getting a new office uh, for my house. I found this Adama oil painting where it's the back of his jersey, you know, Adama, he's got the dreads and everything. Should I get it to put behind me in my Zoom background, even though he won't be with the team next year, Paul? It's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. I That's say where I'm leaning to, yeah. Danny? Yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, you know, I'm sentimental like that. I, if it were me, I would want to commemorate this guy that sort of brought you into Wolves fandom. You know, that's how, that's a lot of Absolutely. how I feel about 
about Raul too. I mean, when I started following, you know, it's just like, it was so exciting to have him around. And the, the fact that we had this gem of a striker who honestly was one of, one of the most informed strikers for those two years, Mm -hmm. uh, the first two. And it was just like, here's little wolves toiling away, you know, just quietly getting seventh two seasons in a row and mostly off the back of, well, yes, Diogo Jada and, and Ruben Neves and Jamutinho, of course, but like having the striker that like, now that we haven't had it, we, we appreciate the fact that most teams outside the top seven or so do not have a quality of striker like that. And so, yeah, I'd say if, if that's the guy who, who made you fall in love with football or made you fall in love with wolves, then you got to go for it, man. Let me tell you how there are no Adama signed Wolves kits out there. I'm very disappointed because I would totally buy one, get it framed, you know, because that's where I was leaning to. Like he's, he's a very big part of why I became a Wolves fan. Like I was already leaning that way and he like pushed it over when they signed him. Uh, So yeah, I've been leaning that way. Well, guys, any last comments on this game and what the next three games hold, Paul? It's going to be nice that we're going into these final three games, no pressure. Um, we can we can really see what, what they're made of, potentially. It's going to be uh, nice to uh, see see if they can do some good stuff to, to finish out the season. Danny, are you going to be able to enjoy these last three games more than most of the other games recently? Absolutely. I mean, I was already <laughs> sort of, you know, I was already on the beach until that Brighton result. <laughs> that's the one that's the one that scared me. But uh, but even before then, yeah, like you, you know, when we when we won those back to back games against Chelsea and Brentford, I was already sort of chilling out a little bit. And now that it's mathematical, I'm just excited to see the games, you know, see what Lopetegui does, because I, I think that he will go somewhat pragmatic in the sense that he's going to still set out a team to win, but he's going to be looking towards the future too. Yes, he should. Absolutely. That is, that should be the main point of these last three games is give guys a good send off at Molyneux and look to the future and figure out what we need for the summer. Well, Danny, you know, it's also the Wolves women have come to the end of the season. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with them. Yeah. Um, it's been a crazy season in some ways, you know, any, any time that you, uh, that you fail to win the league on goal difference, you know, it's, <laughs> it's never a great feeling. So yeah, since the last time I've been here, uh, Wolves women have been chasing the the league leaders, league leaders, Nottingham forest for a while. Um, they always had some games in hand, so the the table always looked a little bleaker than it should have done. Um, they were usually a cut, two or three games behind them, and so uh, there was a bit of a gap. But knew if they won their games in hand, they'd be tied on points. Unfortunately, Nottingham Forest um, had a virtually insurmountable goal difference, so it was something like uh, you know nineteen extra goals that. Wolves women would have to <laughs> to make up, so that that wasn't going to happen. Uh, and then on the penultimate game of the of the season, um, Nottingham Forest actually dropped points, and Wolves women could not pull off a win either. So they both drew that last mm-hmm. that second to last game. 
So uh, on the final day of the season, Wolves women were playing Brighouse and needed to better Forest result. And there was a period of time, maybe about 30, 40 minutes, where uh, Wolves women were winning and uh, Nottingham Forest had not yet uh, put a goal in. And so they were drawing and Wolves women were going to be the the league title holders again, but it just wasn't to be. uh, Nottingham Forest have been such a good team this year. They've been sort of relentless as their goal difference shows. I mean, they've had some huge, you know, double digit um, goal hauls uh, during that time. But it's still been an incredibly successful season. I mean, I you know I interact with some uh, some Wolves Women followers on on Twitter, and also I follow the Wolves Women Pod. Give them a brief shout out. Um, and you know, after that game, you know, it's easy to feel down. You know, there's a lot of like you know the interviews with the players. Of course, they're gutted to to not be able to pull it off uh, when they were so close, but you have to look at it like this is a team that just got promoted the year before and now to win the league the next year and then tie the league leaders the the second year you know that's that's a huge uh a huge pair of results right there so i think they're set up well to go again next year and the good news is that uh i can't remember if it's made, been made officially official yet but it is coming that they are dropping the uh playoff game next year so instead of having to win your league and then play a playoff game with the southern league now it's just both the the winning teams from the northern and the southern league go up to the championship essentially the second tier uh so that's a hugely welcome change uh it should have happened a long time ago uh and i think wolves women are well set up to challenge for that again next year although it's going to be the the competition is going to be even tighter there's a lot of teams that I think have bulked up and have uh, have put a lot of investment in as wolves are doing. So, you know, the, the wolves organization can't sort of rest on its laurels. I think they need to renew their commitment in, uh, in support for wolves women to keep pushing for that promotion, which is what they want. They want to be in the championship. And I think that they will be sooner or later, but they, they have to push next year. Uh, And the last thing for wolves women, I just want to remind anybody who's listening uh, that they have one final game and it is tomorrow, but actually today when you hear this, I assume if you're listening to it on a, on Tuesday, the 9th of May, uh, they have the County cup final. They're playing at Molyneux. Uh, it starts at two forty-five Eastern time. Uh, and you can catch it on the wolves radio. Sweet. Well, thanks for that update, Danny. And, uh, Paul, the U 23 has also retained their status in the PL too. Yeah, no, I, like major big deal about it but with the investment that goes into the infrastructure and the academy just having that appeal for potential new recruits even to come in and play in a slightly higher standard in terms of reserve football is is important you've got the two routes to go down you've got either taking a loan for development or you're going to get minutes in the under 23 so for for those players at the, the early ages to pl- be playing as many minutes as possible in the, the best league available, it, it only bodes well. Enjoying Whole lot of Wolves? Whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening, don't forget to rate and review the show so that we can make sure to continue to grow the pack. Thanks for listening, and up the mighty wolves.
All right, guys, so let's go ahead and look at Saturday's game. It's an away game at Old Trafford against Manchester United. 10 a.m. Eastern for you, Danny, 9 a.m. Central for me and Paul. So we've kind of insinuated, you know, this is probably Lopetegui looking ahead, but Paul, what do you see the lineup looking like? In the famous words of Mike Bassett, I'm going 4-4-2 and just running <laughs> it back from Saturday. So let, let's let's see the same again and uh and see see what the likes of uh see what the likes of Gunya can do. Uh Neto down the left, uh under the big lights in Manchester. I'm excited. How about you, Danny? I mean, first of all, I'm sort of the opinion that we should have been doing this even before we were safe, um, that we should have been a bit more aggressive in our away games. Our away form has been so bad, and I don't understand why uh, Lopetegui and, and even Lodge before him uh, seem so cautious away from home. I, I don't know if it's they just don't trust the players or what, but uh, now that we are officially safe, I don't see a reason to not you know, be a bit more adventurous. That doesn't mean that, you know, you're suddenly, you know, playing all gung-ho and and stretching yourself unnecessarily. You know, there might be changes that have to be made in order to play a little bit more counterattacking, but we we have to set up similar to what we did against Villa um, to try to just, just get something, you know, to put them under pressure. You know, they've got... Um, They've got a few key injuries also. Uh, I just think, you know, there's there's a chance there to to actually get something or at least to learn something about the players who are replaying next year uh, without without risking too much. So, guys, let's look at the predictions thus far this year. Um, the guest spot has 29 points, and Danny, you are a big reason for that. In fact, Danny, you have... Uh, let me do the quick math here for, I don't even remember (laughs) you have seven points and you're showing up and you are tied with Mr. Teddy Ely, who Teddy has four, five. Oh, actually Teddy only has five points, but he's only been on two times. So Teddy has actually gotten points every time he's gotten on. Uh, but Danny, yeah, you've helped the guests get 29 points. I'm at 23, even uh, my reverse jinx worked. Um, Alex is 21 in in Paul. Oh, Paul, it's not looking good, man. 17 points. Yeah, the the fat lady's certainly clearing her throat. (laughs) (laughs) Mathematically, you're still in it, though, Paul. That's true. (laughs) All right, Danny, what's your prediction against Manchester United? lot of pressure on this you know for all for all the guests for the entire year you know uh gotta gotta put in my part um I think that like I said I feel weirdly confident about this one similar to how I felt against Villa where I just think this is a game where we can set up sort of with nothing to lose we can set up in a smart way to try to get something out of the game and like I said they've got some some key injuries so I think I don't know. I think I think one one is probably the smart the smart choice. I'd love to say one nil. I'd love to see another you know 
you know, masterclass where we sort of hold out for a while. I mean, like last year's uh, with Moutinho shot, just something magical like that. That'd be great. But I think, I think one, one feels right. We'll have to get Alex's uh, before Saturday's game, Paul, but what is your prediction? Yeah, it's, it's a funny place that we haven't been that intimidated going to in, in this era. So I think, I can remember that one nil loss uh late on and then years beating ago, them, yeah. yeah, then beating them last year. The um the the tie when Martinho scored in our in our first uh season back. So we, we go in there and it, it, it seems like a good good place for us to go to. So I think the 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 setup how uh what what danny said about towards the end of the season the position they're in that one that one one i think has a ton of value in it i'm gonna i'm gonna caveat mine and say if he goes four four two uh it's a two nil win that's my prediction but i wouldn't be surprised if it's that one one wow two nil wolves I'm going to say this. It's, uh, you know, scoreless until about 65th minute. Rashford scores. He points at his eye, pisses off the Wolves. Neves scores on a beauty in the 85th minute for a 1-1 draw. And it's also Neves's last goal in a Wolves kit. And he points at his eye. Points at the badge, points at his eye again. That'll be fun, right? You like the little drama I added to it? I think I should get like five points if that really happens, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Get extra points. Okay, Paul. It's everybody's favorite. It is No Stupid Questions. What do we got this week? We have been absolutely flooded with No Stupid Questions. That... (laughs) part the show that it's totally over to the listeners to ask us anything they like about the mighty Wolverhampton Wanderers, be it lineups, predictions, history, merchandise, travel plans, you name it, ask away at WLWpod on Twitter, also through our Facebook, or if you want to go in depth, you can email hello at wolves.com. First up, we go back to the prediction league because Todd DeWitt he asked first that if I finish last and I'm relegated who replaces me next season and clearly Danny Paletti that, that's potential but <laughs> or or somebody named Lol Page <laughs> like uh, Ned Ned Tasso <laughs> I think I might do that <laughs> Or you could always have the kiddo make the predictions. She should probably do a better job than me, just <laughs> picking it out of her hat. So uh, I do every permutation now from nil-nil to, to a six-nil win and a six-nil loss all the way back down and, and see what she picks. But <laughs> listeners, watch this space in terms of prediction league plans for next season. I will leave you with that little uh, tidbit. Um, but Todd asks, and, and potentially more importantly, listeners, Todd asks, any idea where I can get a Wolves cowboy hat? 
I'm really hoping that this is insinuating he's coming for Text Fest, Paul. Because when I read think... that, that, when I read that, that was the first thing I thought is, uh oh, Todd's gonna come on down to Houston for Text Fest. I just think he wants to wear it around the house. <laughs> with, with <laughs> what do you mean, the naked wolves cowboy? <laughs> Who knows? With the man. guitar. He'd be out there in the mean streets of Minneapolis <laughs> playing the guitar and the wolf's hat and his uh, whitey tidies. Danny's like, God, please get this picture out of my head. <laughs> That's going to be a rough look for during the, the Premier League season in Minneapolis. <laughs> yes. I guess the answer to that, though, Paul, would be, I guess we have to get a cowboy hat i would bet that leah could make like some kind of wolves thing to wrap around the cowboy hat that seems like a leah thomas thing that she's pretty crafty you could you could go the the, the diy route or could you go like really traditional and get one that's that's bright like properly branded or something it depends mm. which way you could take it you could do the novelty bachelor party golden black cowboy hat with with tassels and everything so i I think we could uh we could see what's out there what do you think mikey burrow's reaction would be if we sent him a wolves cowboy hat (laughs) yeah i think the the tassel count would play into the reaction (laughs) if joshua's uh uh dream comes true and uh weston mckinney ends up at molyneux isn't he from Texas? Shouldn't he yes. be the one who uh, gets the the Wolves branded cowboy hat in the club shop? Oh my God, Paul from <laughs> Houston Wolves, from a whole lot of wolves. You know he'd put that thing on his social media too. We need to do this. Even okay, even <laughs> if he doesn't come, we need to figure out which Wolves player would be more likely to be excited to get a Wolves cowboy hat, courtesy of Whole Lot of Wolves podcast. We we could even go a, a step further and try and do it as some type of play of the year award. Oh yes, I love it. I love it. But I Steve think we, we, would wear it. Yeah, Rocket with the Chinos. <laughs> the American Wolves fans player of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Stu's eye is twitching right now, I can tell. <laughs> I mean, if the question is who's going to wear some weird thing that they got sent to the mail, it's Jose Saw all day. Jose Saw would wear a cowboy hat, no question. <laughs> yes, brilliant. Okay, uh, I-K-G-K-O-T on Twitter. I don't know how you pronounce that, if you stick it all together. But he asks, if Everton go down, would Dominic Calvin-Lewin be worth a punt? punt? Decent footballer, but made of biscuits unfortunately or made of cookies in american speak and i think that's the uh determining factor as far as i uh i'm concerned with him he does have two goals in 14 games which is way better than a lot of our guys so i mean i'd be willing to take a shot at it i would not i'll say that <laughs> <laughs> i like i like dominic calvert i think he's a perfectly fine footballer. I just, you know, that that just feels like we're not setting our sights high enough, you know. And I think even if they go down, I think 
you're probably paying a premium. You're playing paying more than you need to. We've we've got to be more clever about finding a striker out there, you know. Uh, it's just, and the the injuries really do worry me. You know, we've had enough problems with injuries to strikers. You know, we already had Sasha come in and last only forty minutes. If if we brought in Dominic Calvert Lewin and forty minutes into his debut, you know, <laughs> first game first game next season you know he he pulls something or so he's out for six months how are we going to feel about that choice i'm not i'm not interested don't you put that evil on me ricky bobby <laughs> next up brian donnelly he on twitter says lopetegi starts a bring your pet to work day who is bringing what <laughs> Leah Thomas had a response to this too, Paul. She said, do Adama's thighs count as horses? <laughs> yeah, that could be a, uh, yeah, a Kentucky Derby related uh, extension from the weekend here. So, so I think yeah. um, I'm going to go with a little bit of surprise here. I think Jose saw has like a cat, a big Mancoon cat. Uh, he's got a cat Dawson to me. He's got a Dalmatian that he brings um let's see Jao gomez obviously has a bulldog he has a pit bull um let's see diego costa he probably has a pet tarantula that he brings uh the snake is who would be the snake i don't know who has a pet snake paul it's either Costa or Saw for me with a snake. Big python, they get it out and put, put around it, the shoulders. No, see, I, I, I really think Saw would surprise, and he he has like four cats at home or something. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> Danny, well, okay, let's hear yours. I mean, going on with the same theme of Jose Saw being a wild card, <laughs> I, I don't see him having anything but some weird exotic pet. It's either a snake or it's a tarantula, or it's a ferret. He could be a ferret person. Oh, That's kind uh, of like okay. a cat. That's like having a cat if you're weird. It's like, you try to convince all your friends, like, oh, it's just like having a cat. And it's like, no, it's not like having a cat. You have a ferret. <laughs> he could be a ferret person. I could see Jose Saw as a ferret person. I bet, Pedro, see, uh... Neto, I bet Pedro Neto has a pet monkey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> J- just like him, I think. Same same personality. Name Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> now, does Ruben Neves have corgis because he is the king? <laughs> Again, I can topical, see that. Topical I can see, the uh, I can see little two little corgis and walking down the street with them. Yeah, and then um, let's see. Motinho definitely has a guinea pig. <laughs> Kilman has an aquarium. Yeah, I could I could see that. Mm-hmm. So uh last one for this episode goes to Chase Branch on Twitter. He says, Could you teach us some wolves songs or chants? They're not easy to pick up on the broadcast. And then who on the podcast is winning the whole lot of wolves idol? So I really like this question because I actually looked up to see what they're saying with the Super Lapetegi um, chant. 
um, which I really like. So TikTok, I found because it's usually somebody recording from the stands, you can understand it a little bit more. That one was, uh, I'm trying to think it was like Costa in attack, uh, Kilman in the back, Wolves are staying in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we've got Super Lapetegui. Um, he's the man exactly what we, he's, he's the guy that Wolves exactly what they need or something like that. He knows exactly what we need. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Danny's got it. All right. <laughs> yeah. I've got a, I've got a weird freakish memory for, uh, for lyrics. Usually I won't say that I know all of the chants, but, uh, but it's something that sort of sticks in my brain and I'm going to hijack this question to, uh, grind my axe on this thing which is that we uh i feel like something that we've been missing since nuno left is like a good all-purpose cheer the super low Bottegi thing is sort of like that's mm -hmm. that's sort of taken that place and that's fine but the thing about nuno had a dream and I'm, I'm a big believer in vibes and like people having a thing to rally around that isn't super specific the thing about nuno had a dream is that it like applied to everything it was just like, as long as we were playing in a way that made us proud, you know, that that chant would come out. You know, Nuno had a dream. Mm -hmm. We're building this thing. Who knows where it's going to end? Whereas, like, the ones that are player-specific, you always struggle with if that player isn't playing well, which for two years we basically weren't – nobody was playing well. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the Lopetegi thing is, like, specifically about like our aims you know we're going to stay in the premier league we're going to go to the champions league whatever but like the the do know how to dream was absolutely perfect because it was just we're happy to be here as long as we're playing well and so like even if we weren't winning we like felt good about it so i like that, I like that. there's oh. uh, also at wolf songs on twitter so that's got video clips and and some of the lyrics written out as well. So we'll uh, we'll retreat we'll retreat that one. But we definitely need to to what Danny's saying that that type of anthem back or that type of figurehead song that we're renowned for for sure. The um you know Jeff She and a Lamborghini that whole thing really had me googling some some car makes and models that are not, not familiar to American <laughs> listeners. So. You know, I don't know all the verses that people worked out because they worked out once to damn near every one of the January signings. But the one that stuck is the uh, then he went to to south of France in a Ford Cortina. Yeah. Picked us up a midfielder, uh, Mario Lamina. Ford Cortina, you know, if anybody's listening from the UK, <laughs> that is not a car that Americans are familiar with. Paul, uh, one question to to piggyback on this: Where did Hi Ho Wolverhampton uh, come from? Uh, nothing. I don't think it was anything that came from the terraces, and then they started to play it as a song. I, I think it was more picked up from the song being played in the stadium, and then people adding the Wolverhampton to the replacing the the silver lining bit with Wolverhampton how it came to be as more of the entrance music was because they used to come out to the liquidator and then that said f off west brom in it they stopped that because it wasn't very 
family friendly and the police said it was incendiary so when they stopped that they needed something uh more uh more pg to come out with so high silver lining kind of took that mantle going forwards but it, it, ne it never had the same kind of gusto or thrust that the liquidator did by, by any stretch See, Wol wolves can't do liquidator but liverpool can boo uh god save the king so i, I see that's another badge check huh might have to bow out on our opinions <laughs> <laughs> we we don't but americans don't bow out danny <laughs> <laughs> all right i would say i'm out of whiskey but i didn't even have whiskey tonight so uh but i'm out of beer so danny tell them how they can get a hold of you uh yeah like always i'm on on twitter most of the time probably too much for my own good at Baltimore Wolves. Uh, we've been starting to meet up um, semi, semi-frequently um, at a couple places, but the one we've really liked is Clada down in Canton. Um, so if, if anybody's interested, uh, get in touch and I'll let you know the next time we're going to be there. Obviously it may or may not happen before the end of the season, but next season we're definitely going to be down there more. Uh, and one, one last thing, uh, Good friend and OG Baltimore Wolves uh, guy Edgar Kunz, he he catches the uh, the podcast. He's going to be in uh, Wolverhampton in the next couple of weeks, and God willing, and the creek don't rise, uh, he'll be at the game against Everton. So, if you see a tall guy who looks like a poet, uh, say hi to him. <laughs> That's awesome, though. I think there's a lot of people going to that Everton game. A lot of Americans, yeah. it sounds like. He's so. going to be there. Chris Wood's going to be there. Uh, Adam's going to be there. Yeah. From California. There's yeah. a bunch of people going over. So we, we I might try and put some type of a special episode together after that game because it's special for those traveling fans because they've got an opp opportunity to plan the pitch immediately after. So great opportunity that the club have done some fantastic stuff to to celebrate them coming over and the the jersey designs and everything that have been shared look phenomenal so um yeah it'd be good to get some some of the feedback from those that are making that trip to uh see how special it was that's awesome so listeners we'll be back this time and next week it's going to review everything what happens at old trafford and then preview that Final home game of the season against still relegation threatened Everton. So in the meantime, continue to unclench, relax and up the mighty Wolverhampton Wanderers. Whole Lot of Wolves is self-funded, so if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities as a way to reach a niche audience, email hello at wholelotofwolves.com for our sponsor packages. Just want to make a contribution as a listener who enjoys the show? Then head to buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. That's buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. We greatly appreciate any contribution. Up the Wolves.